You're listening to episode 35 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a holistic nutritionist and women's lifestyle coach living in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. And here on the Room to Grow podcast, I bring you thoughts or guests in areas of nutrition, mindset, lifestyle, and entrepreneurship that will help you gain confidence so you can stress less and elevate yourself to create the life you love. We are not here to do things perfectly, but we are here to learn from each other and to grow with lots of self-love and compassion along the way. Let's get started. Hey there, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. And today I'm bringing you Athena Concanon. Athena is just an absolute sweetheart. I met her uh, through two, actually, two of my uh, different coaching groups um, where we are being coached together with our, our business coaches. And Athena is just an an incredible light. I just love her so much. She's done such an incredible job with building her business. And she's also been through a lot this year. And we actually uh, get into that a little bit and how she has dealt with some pretty significant uh, changes and, and loss in her life and what she has done to move past that, how she has continued to manage her business through that, and also how fitness has really played a huge role in helping her not only get through this, but to do a lot of other really hard things in life. And I, I think it's a really fascinating perspective that I'm so, so excited to share with you. So Athena is a fitness and lifestyle coach uh, based out of Boston who helps women who feel stuck or stagnant and become strong in both body and mind. So helping women find their purpose and to really step into their most empowered selves. I'm so pumped to share this one with you. And Athena is just really open and honest and really shares a huge amount of what's on her heart. And I, I really want to acknowledge her for that because I think that it, it takes a lot of courage to do what she does and to share as much of herself as she is willing to do. So please enjoy this interview and to find Athena and anything else associated with this interview, make sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com and you can find all the goods there. Athena, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Emily. I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. Awesome. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about who Athena is, a little background on you, and uh, how you ended up where you are today. Sure. So I am a personal trainer and a fitness instructor, as well as a fitness and lifestyle coach. Um, my business is AchieveWithAthena.com. So I started that about two, over two years ago now which feels crazy because it's like flown by for sure. I'm sure you can relate to that. Um, and really my, my mission with my, my business is to help empower women who feel stuck to find purpose and get strong both physically, but, but in mind and body, as well as, as step into their most empowered selves. I'm really all about empowerment through movement and I use fitness and nutrition to help, help women become their most empowered selves. So I do this through all my programs and services, but I also truly love being in person with, with people too. And I love bringing that as my, my group fitness classes and in person, in person workshops and things like that. I love it. And I love that you do a lot of in-person stuff as well, which is pretty cool. A lot of people, now we're sort of transitioning into more fully online, but I like that, that you sort of still have your, your foot in the in-person stuff because then you get to, to build that, that true uh, connection in person as well. Yeah, it's, it's a great way to get people to find you um, and your online business, honestly. And like, I, I've definitely scaled back. Um, I don't do as much in-person one-on-one training as I used to, but 
Um, I think I'll always teach some sort of group fitness in-person classes because that actually is how I got started with all of this. And it's just um, a piece of who I am. So kind of to go you know, back to how I started, it was actually in college, group, teaching group fitness classes was my um, on-campus job at the time. So I had gotten into it because freshman year, like many people, I had gained the freshman 15 probably a little bit more <laughs> and, and I was like okay I gotta get I gotta get this under control like I was never overweight um as a kid I never you know struggled with my health or anything but I just didn't feel good so that summer after my freshman year I discovered group fitness classes at my gym at home and so I continued to take classes when I got back to campus that year and all the seniors were the instructors and they needed more people to teach the next year and someone had asked me like hey do you want to do this and I was like this is the best job you get paid to work out right so at the time um so all of this I like to say began in like this little room at Providence College where I taught step and sculpt and butts and guts classes I love it butts and guts <laughs> I think someone else on on the on the podcast mentioned butts and guts classes a few weeks ago so it's is that like a is that a thing that's introduced in various gyms in the U.S. and it's like a common thread? <laughs> you know, I think it maybe was a thing. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't necessarily hear too many classes called that these days, but maybe it's where a lot of us <laughs> got started. That's so funny. I so yeah, somebody else just mentioned that in the podcast, and I was laughing about it then too because it just sounds so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's it's awesome. like uh, I don't know, a little throwback. <laughs> so. Well, after college, what did you end up doing? Because you didn't jump right into the online space. So lead us, lead us along, uh, along that road, because I know you've had a, a pretty interesting journey in that respect. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I never knew that fitness is really what I wanted to be doing full time for a long time. After school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. First of all, I think a lot of people feel that way when they're, when they're graduating, like, okay, I have this liberal arts degree. What do I do with it? Um, so I got an entry level job at a medical software company and I actually worked for that same company for eight years. Um, but I held a few different positions at that company. So I started out in customer service. I always kind of thought I wanted to do marketing, which I definitely do a lot of now with my online business, but I, I worked a marketing um, position at that medical software company for a while and eventually uh, transitioned into their staff development group. So that's where I spent the majority of my time was doing a lot of staff trainings, onboarding, you know, career development and all of that. And then as part of that team, I had the opportunity to start a corporate wellness program as part of of my job responsibilities, which felt perfect at the time because I was like, okay, this is what I love doing outside of, of this company. And now I have the chance to kind of involve more of my passion into my work. And that was great. Now on the side of this, over the course of those eight years, I continued to teach group fitness and I also started expanding on my certifications. So I, that's when I became certified in you know, different types of group fitness, but also personal training. I went through the well coaches coaching uh, training program and I started a blog, which 
was called fitness and feta back in the day. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so it was more, it was more of, you know, this is what I'm doing for my workouts. This is what I'm eating. But I was finding that a lot of people, especially at work, were asking me for fitness advice or like, what should I do? Or what are some good recipe ideas? And I was like, I'm going to just start a blog and see what happens. So it's, it's interesting that I kind of had these two parallels, all the things that I was doing outside of my full-time job. And then I had my full-time job and it kind of morphed eventually into the wellness side of things too. Um, but eventually I, I kind of hit this crossroads with my nine to five because I fell in love with sharing my message online after starting that blog. Um, I loved my message and it was, I was finding it was really resonating with people. This whole uh, anti-perfect fitness philosophy is what I call it. And the more I was doing that, I was like, I need to find out how I can do this <laughs> full time. This really is what's meant for me. The corporate wellness opportunity was awesome. I am so proud of, of really pitching that idea. I considered myself a pioneer really at my company for, for going for that. And I built it and established it. But what I was finding is I was doing more organizing and planning events and things like that rather than actually being one-on-one -on -one with clients. And that's what I love doing. That's where my passion is. So, oh, I love that. Yeah. You know, and I really struggled a lot for a long time with how to, to leave because it just seemed like such a, you know, oh, I, I built this and this is my baby and I wanted this for so long and I really struggled with leaving. But my passion just wasn't in the planning of the health fairs or organizing you know, all the, the groups for something like a national walking day. I really wanted to work more one-on-one -on -one with clients and I couldn't do that in the position I held. No, that's really fascinating. And I, I suspect that a lot of people get stuck maybe in a particular area where they aren't sure to move forward. I actually have a, a career coach um, who will be on the podcast next week. So for anyone interested in learning more, stay tuned for that. For yeah. <laughs> but what were you, I mean, what kind of gave you the courage to quit? Because even, even once you've made the decision or come to the understanding that, you know what, this isn't really feeling like it's in full alignment for me, it's still a huge step to basically move into full-time entrepreneur other than, you know, like teaching some, some classes for, for local businesses. So how did you, how did you decide to, to make the jump? Yeah, I think I was really just finding that it was becoming all-consuming for me. I would come home and still be thinking about it. I was not acting like myself. Um, probably my husband was like, okay, time to make a decision. <laughs> you know, this is not gonna, not gonna work. And I did have all these conversations with friends and family, what should I do, what should I do? But I was like, if I really need to talk about it this month much, it's something that I just have to make happen. And I laugh about this now, but what I went to, um, one of our, one of the girls actually in our coaching mentorship, um, um, Lauren, I went to her and I was like, what do you think I should do? And we always laugh to this day about it because she's like, you totally came to me because you knew I would tell you to quit your job. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I think it just, it kind of just comes to a point where you have to decide, like, am I going to just stay in this and really know deep down it's not for me or am I going to take that leap and act and 
trust that it's going to work out. So I do think that there is with that a, you know, you have to be realistic about it. You have to do some planning. You can't just leap without a plan. So I did, you know, put my ducks in a row and say like, okay, I'm going to be able to do this because I'm going to go do more in-person training while I build my business. It'll be a little bit more relevant for my business and it'll get me out of this, you know, nine to five position where I'm not a hundred percent happy, but I'm also not moving forward with building something of my own while I'm there. If that Absolutely. makes sense. So I, yeah. had a, I had a plan in place, but it's kind of a balance of the, of the two. And I think it has to be in order to, to not just get the most success from it, but to give yourself that little bit of comfort too, like in that huge sort of pool of discomfort by building yourself a little bit of a bridge, you are giving yourself the confidence to make that leap. Otherwise it just seems way too scary. And then you'll have an even harder time making that jump. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it wasn't like one day I just was like, I'm out of here. I quit. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I, I built it up, um, a plan for myself financially and, you know, I had to wait for the right timing. Um, but you can't wait forever. That's really the takeaway. And, you know, even looking back, I, I do wish I had left a little bit sooner than I did. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and it's interesting that you said that too, but it, it's sort of becoming like hitting the point where it was, all consuming and taking over your life because I'm sure that, that my partner would have all kinds of things to talk to your husband about that because I think he was just tired of hearing me talk about it. And he's like, okay, can you just do this please? Like, yeah. He was telling me to do it long before I decided to actually set a date and just take the jump because it is, it's, it's really scary. And sometimes you have to get there on your own, even when everyone else around you can see that it's time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just, if it's on your heart and you know, it's, it's pulling you just like, you know, for me, I was like, I need to get my message out there beyond the walls of this company only um, and, and just do more of what I'm being called to do. For sure. And I mean, I'm always curious about this. It, it's, and I've, I've gone through this myself. I'm still going through this, um, which is transitioning out of the sort of corporate lifestyle into being able to design your own day. And I yeah. think people have this, this magical picture of what entrepreneurship looks like. Like, sitting in your PJs all days. And sometimes that happens and that's fine, but <laughs> it's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. I think is what I want to stress. And how do you kind of map out your day and, and what was that transition like for you in terms of like maybe building structure and routine into your day, but in other ways than, than what it had been, what you'd been used to before? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, I think that this is a huge challenge for a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs, especially for those of us who made the jump from a corporate position. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I feel like some other other jobs maybe have a a schedule where you're not a nine to five, and you kind of have to fit in things in non traditional hours, I guess. Um, but with the nine to five life, you go in, you know exactly the times you're going to be there. You know exactly the jobs that you need to get done that day. And like you do them or you're going to get fired. <laughs> like that's just it. Um, and so for me being, I guess, having to make that structure for myself and then also realizing, okay, wow, I'm actually doing all of the hats 
and not just one particular aspect of my nine to five that I was doing. Now I'm also the coach, but I'm looking at the marketing and I'm looking at the financials and really, you know, we always say this, right? Stepping into the CEO role of our business. That part was really challenging for me. And I feel like even to this day, I'm, I'm still testing out different schedules that work best for me. So I think anyone that's really coming up right out and starting their, their business and looking for the ideal schedule, I think just knowing that it, it can always change and that you can always work on it is helpful. But these days I'm, I, I make my schedule so that one week I'm focused on more client and administrative type things. And then the next week I'm focusing more on like content and creative work. Because for me, my brain was not working well, jumping back and forth between tasks. And so far that has been working for me since I implemented it. I love that. Cause you, you mentioned that to me when I asked you about it mm -hmm. uh, a few weeks ago and I've, I've started to transition my schedule into that. And it's definitely helpful because I was just having a really hard time doing things like, like interviewing guests or podcasts or doing solo podcast episodes and then having to stop that and immediately try and sit down and, and write all kinds of content. And I was just struggling because I'm like, I, I can only, my brain can only take so much. Yes. <laughs> sometimes it, it, you have to kind of train yourself to make that transition in a little bit different way to maximize your energy too. And to maximize the hours that we have in a day, because I think that, that sometimes, um, and our coach, Mary Alice, who was also on the, on the podcast, I'll make sure to reference that episode. Um, she, when I was leaving my corporate job, I remember she said to me, I have a lot of women who leave their corporate jobs and then they're, they're sort of in this predicament where they feel like there's, there's more hours in the day than there are. Like it, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously we know how many hours there are in, in the day, but it's just that it, it sort of feels that way. Like, oh, you know, I can take another half hour for lunch because I've still got all kinds of time. And then five or five o'clock or six o'clock or whenever you stop working rolls around, you're like, holy shit, how did we get here? Yeah. <laughs> Where did the time go? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I really feel that. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so funny. Well, what, what is sort of the, the fitness area that you focus on the most? It's usually like strength training, even, even when you're doing group classes, that's usually what you're doing, right? Yeah. Yep. So in, in my group class settings, I do teach spinning, which I love, um, and boot camp classes, but I'm always trying to incorporate and emphasize the importance of strength training. And those are the types of workouts that I mainly do on my own and that I program for my one-on-one -on -one coaching clients uh, who want to get into strength training. I work with a lot of women who aren't sure where to begin with it. Um, and so I, I help them get confident in the weight room and in my group coaching program too, every month I write them strength training workouts. So that, that is my focus. I love that. And what, I mean, what has strength training really meant for you in ways other than just building muscle? Because I think there's a lot of different applications that maybe people aren't necessarily aware of. Yeah. Um, I love this question. And because I think so many people out there assume that if you're working out and this could apply to other types of, of fitness as well, not just strength training, but I think people assume that if you are in the gym or working out, it is a hundred percent about a weight loss goal or wanting to lose fat or wanting to get thin or skinnier. Um, or even if it's not about that, like maybe that you have to have this big lofty reason for wanting to work out, like you're training for 
a big competition or something like that. And all of that, that's all great. You can definitely want to lose weight. You can definitely want to train for a competition, but I think there's so much more to it. And, you know, I think, I also think that you can, a lot of times people get into fitness for those reasons initially, like it did for me, right? Like after, after college or that first year of college, I was like, okay, I do need to lose some weight. So like, that's how it started. But I think there's a lot of evolving that fitness can take for people where it can mean so much more for them. And I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I, even going back to my story on how, how I got started in college, like I had just been away for the previous year, like gained all this independence and, you know, I came home and I came home to some challenging family dynamics and needed to figure out kind of how am I going to navigate this? I grew up in a family that had mental illness in it. So there was just a lot of, of chaos and, and stress really around that. And so for me, going to the gym and working out, whether it's classes or strength training or yoga or whatever it is, I think for me, it definitely was a place where I could clear my head. It was where I could feel more grounded. It was really my happy place or somewhere I could go for a sense of self or normalcy, stress relief, reasons like that. Um, I do want to share too, though, that at the time, I hadn't yet gotten in too much into my strength training journey yet for this particular story and time frame in my life. And I was doing more cardio. I was doing tons of group fitness classes, lots of um, hours on the machine, and just maybe some weights here and there. And I wanted to make sure to talk today about how like too much of a, of a good thing can actually be a bad thing. And oftentimes when people have things like in their lives that are kind of out of their control, like for me, it was the family dynamics, then you can often turn to things that you maybe feel like you can control. And so like for me, that was fitness. And I had years of my life where I was pretty obsessed with doing more cardio, more calories burned, how many more miles can I get in? And that was making up my self-worth. Now, to tie this back into your question about strength training, I always say like a big turning point for me was actually when I got injured, I sprained my ankle doing so much high intensity workouts. And at that point is when I actually found the weight room. And I say this is like one of the best things that ever happened to me because it was then that I really realized how empowering it was to focus on like what my body was capable of doing and how strong I felt and what numbers I could add to, to a barbell instead of, you know, how many more miles can I get on this treadmill? <laughs> it just has a whole different feeling about it and focusing on, okay, oh my gosh, how many awesome push-ups am I going to be able to do today instead of, you know, how, oh, I got to still get this many more minutes in. It is just so much, it's a way healthier place to be. And I, well, I think that there's a certain level of confidence that is built up in that, because like you said, when, when your self-worth was sort of depending on, and I think a lot of us have been there depending on, you know, whatever number was on the scale or whatever number was calories burned on the machine that, that does, that has the complete opposite effect of building up that confidence instead. 
Totally. It more often than not, you just end up beating yourself up more or feeling like a failure if you don't meet your own expectations. And the whole confidence thing is just so true. I feel like weightlifting and strength training for me, like out, outside of being kind of my my sense of normalcy and the thing that helps me, you know, clear my head on on tough days, the confidence piece, it created this person that I never knew it. And I became someone that wasn't really afraid to do hard things, such as suggest to my company at the time to create a corporate wellness program or to have the courage to leave said corporate wellness <laughs> program when it wasn't necessarily for me or even having hard conversations or anything. And I, you know, I see this confidence um, correlation with the weight room in so many of my clients with just how they feel when they look in the mirror, how they feel carrying themselves around day to day, something as, you know, maybe seemingly small as like sitting up straighter in a meeting at work and just feeling more confident in a, a presentation all the way to something like leaving a relationship that you've been in for 10 years. Like I've, I've seen the, the whole gamut with some of my clients and I love it. It's funny that you mentioned posture too, because that had already popped into my head that there's there's research that shows that when we when we just stand taller and put our shoulders back and and our chin up and have better posture even if it's forced it actually gives us more confidence and it it gives other people around us the idea that we have more confidence even if we're scared shitless inside so it is really interesting because lifting weights actually really helps with posture. Yep. So it's actually not surprising when you start to put all of these things in a row and you see the correlation that then that translates into so many different areas of life. Yep. Absolutely. Fascinating. Absolutely. So mm -hmm. cool. And Athena, you have, have dealt with uh, some pretty significant loss in the last year and you have done an incredible job at maintaining your, not just maintaining your business, but killing it at your business and doing all these amazing things, taking care of yourself. How, how would you suggest to anyone out there who's having a hard time for whatever reason, what are some of the best ways that people can kind of focus on caring for themselves in those, those darker, heavier times? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. And I mean, first of all, I don't wish that anybody is going through a tough time or, whether it's loss or divorce or whatever it might be, a sick family member. Um, but, but yeah, last year, right around this time, actually, I lost my sister and it was completely unexpected. And obviously our whole world's like flipped, up, flipped upside down with that. And, you know, over the past year, I feel like I have really embraced self-care more than I ever have before. And one of the things I really want to stress to anyone that's going through a hard time is to let go of any expectations of what your self-care should look like, um, because there is absolutely no right or wrong way, and how you feel is going to change day to day, and there's just no rule book. So I think we just put so much pressure on ourselves to be handling things. And I guess this could even apply to, to just day-to-day self-care anyways, not necessarily through a hard time, but we put so much pressure on how it should look based on, I guess, society and what we see on social media. And there really is 
no right or wrong way. Like there's not going to be a day where you, where you say like, Oh, I, I should be over it by now. Or I should be feeling this. Like you, you can feel how you feel and whether that's angry or sad or confused, or even if you're going through a tough time and you, and you actually feel a little bit of joy, that's okay too. They, the two can coexist. And so I think just as long as you're trying as long as you're not trying to stuff anything down and that you're not judging yourself, that is a huge, a huge step in the right direction. I think that's really powerful, especially about the part that you said about uh, joy and grief being able to coexist, because I think that it can feel unnatural to be laughing or have, you know, even just a, a quick moment of, of light come into the darkness when you're really struggling. And I feel like some people may even experience guilt around that. Totally. Yeah. And, and it's really, it's really difficult. And I've just, I've so admired how you have carried yourself this past year. And I've been, I've been watching everything that you've been doing and, and how you've been dealing with it. And it's really, really powerful. And I'm so sorry that you had to go through that, that you are continuing to go through that. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I really admire how you have gone about it. And how you're, you're sort of leading by example in helping people and, and showing people how they can manage this, even if it's not the same type of loss, just dealing with any type of um, sort of darker moment can, can be really difficult. And I think that you've, you've set a really, really great example. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I think to expand a little bit on that, like joy and grief side by side example, it it is really challenging. And you, you know, you mentioned guilt and I've definitely experienced that for sure. It's like, Oh my gosh, how can I be laughing right now? If I just had something so terrible happen and you know, not like every day I was laughing, but I, I do remember one, there was one moment this year where, you know, at the beginning, right after losing my sister, I had a really hard time being in a group setting. Just, I was, I just like couldn't handle it. And I had, a friend who got engaged and it was going to be her little engagement party. And I really wanted to be there for her because that's something so amazing and that and a happy time in her life. But I remember being so nervous going into the night and I had like said to a friend, like, okay, if I'm feeling <laughs> sad or like, I can't handle this, this is going to be my plan. I'm going to step into the other room. And I feel like everyone kind of knew that going into it. And at the end of the night, I was like, Oh my gosh, I just laughed this whole night. And it's actually exactly what I needed. Um, and I was just so nervous about it, but I think that's just a, an awesome example for anyone who is going through a hard time like that, that you might be feeling really sad one day and it's okay to be having, you know, a good time with friends or surrounding yourself with people who are going to lift you up to kind of get through it. That is a really great example because I, I think that there is, there's such a fine line, especially like I'm a huge introvert and I always feel like. And, and like this part has nothing really to do with, with grief, just in general, yeah. I will tend to avoid like huge sort of draining group settings, at least they're, they're draining to me anyway. Yeah. But then there's times where we kind of need to step outside our comfort zone because we'll go do the thing that felt really uncomfortable. And it, like you said, it turned out to be exactly what we needed, but we never would have seen that for ourselves unless we just made the decision to go. But I also love that you made yourself a bit of a backup plan. So that if you needed to step out, you had the availability and that plan in place to do so. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just really, you know, self-care, 
it has so many connotations these days, but it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be this big lofty thing. You know, we talk about self-care and society is always needing to be a fancy massage or fancy <laughs> pedicure. And all those things are great. Don't get me wrong. I love myself a good pedicure, <laughs> but it doesn't always have to be about that. And sometimes self-care or, or giving ourselves what we need or, or having that plan in place can be super boring um, or feel a little bit mundane or not even, you might not even think of it as self-care, but something like having a plan in place that you give yourself permission to do something if you feel like you need it, that can be a really powerful form of self-care. And, you know, other, other things, I guess, for myself that have helped in this past year, um, one question that I have found really helpful is just to ask myself, like, what's the next best thing I can do for myself? Um, and maybe that's even like, what is the next best thing to do in the next five minutes? Because if you're feeling super lost or unsure or just not clear on how you're even navigating your day to day through a tough time, sometimes that just feels like the easiest thing is to just say, what's the next best thing I can do for myself in five minutes or the morning or whatever that is. And even doing one small thing for yourself, whether it's journaling your feelings for five minutes or going for a walk or something that brings you comfort can really help. For sure. And I think that that's a really helpful reminder too, because I think that we can sometimes get too caught up in, uh, at least some of us, those of us who are type A, I'm raising my hand over here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If we try to plan our day down to the minute, and then we're not necessarily taking into consideration that you know, you might just kind of have a bit of an energy dip in the day, or maybe you get, I don't know, a phone call that kind of gets you down for a little bit, like life happens. And then we're not allowing ourselves that space to fill it with what we might actually just need in that moment. I mean, even something like a workout can be really considered amazing self care. Yeah. At the same time, if we're feeling super low energy, and to the point where we don't even feel like we really have it in us to lift a weight, then strength training probably isn't the best choice for you right now. And you might need to go do something else. But that's something that can also get people down because, I mean, what would you want to say to anyone who's going through a tough time and upset that they aren't being as consistent with their workouts as they would like to be? Yeah, awesome point. And two words, it's okay. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It really is okay. I think, again, maybe this is more for the type A's, but it's not, it's not the end of the world. And if you're going through a tough time, you know, are your workouts actually the priority? Probably not. Um, you know, after my own loss last year, I couldn't handle being in the weight room for a little bit. I could barely muster myself to get up out of bed, never mind go to the weight room. And I found a lot of comfort actually, you know, that what's the next best thing I can do for myself. A lot of the times, um, for me, my answer was to go for a walk and get outside because it was, I just found that that was therapeutic. I was spending a lot of time, you know, with my family in that, you know, initial few months you know, after the loss and that walk time was kind of my time to grieve by myself and not be with everybody else. So like that for me was the next best thing, but it wasn't going into the weight room and doing the most intense workout. And I always remind my clients that the body 
doesn't necessarily differentiate between types of stress. And so if you're going under like a ton of emotional stress at the moment, putting yourself underneath like a heavy barbell, that's a lot of physical stress and it's not going to help. It's definitely not going to help. So it's just deciding, okay, is this actually going to be what I need and not forcing it and, and really approaching your fitness with some self-compassion and knowing and trusting that you'll get it back. <laughs> It'll come back. Your fitness can always be there for you. The weight room is always there. <laughs> yeah, we can always go back to it. Exactly. And I, I know that there are lots of perfectionists in the audience because a lot of you have reached out to me <laughs> regarding perfection. So I know that we have lots of perfectionists and type A's. And uh, again, like I, you know, I think you and I are both uh, right among them. And yep. what would you? How, how do you sort of talk people out of that? Because sometimes I, and I'll actually have to remind myself, you know, sometimes you, you teach what you need to learn yourself. I think there's a saying about that. And it's so true because a lot of times I will be just encouraging people, encouraging my clients nonstop to show that compassion to themselves when I sometimes have to really remind myself of that as well and kind of dig in and go, okay, well, I need to start practicing what I'm preaching every single day because it's, it's hard sometimes, right? So I know that, that you talk a lot about anti-perfect as well, and I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, it, I mean, I think it's an ongoing practice. That's why we, we use the phrase recovering perfectionist, right? Yes. <laughs> it's definitely a practice, and I think the more just aware you are of, you know, what areas of your life you do tend to be more of a perfectionist in and kind of your own signals of the, the slippery slope that you might start going down the more awareness you can have for that the more you can kind of rein it in when you are are going down that path and so for me like i know that i get anxious i start worrying i i can tell when i'm starting to to beat myself up a little bit and i just have to ask myself okay what would you tell a client or for anyone that's not a coach out there you know what would you say to your mom or your sister or your best friend or someone that's just coming to you for advice, you wouldn't be telling them, telling them that they're failures. <laughs> you know, you would be telling them something much nicer. And so that can be a really powerful question. And I, I do go to that a lot. Um, and I think also just to remind myself that day to day or week to week or month to month, whatever it is, it just isn't always going to look the same. You know, maybe with fitness, to continue with that example, like our lives are really these big stories that have different chapters. And those chapters can be considered different seasons. And you might have one season of your life where you can be doing, you know, more intense workouts and this and that. But when you have other, other chapters and different, different seasons going on, it, it's okay. I love that. Yeah, I talk about seasons a lot too because I, I think mm -hmm. that it's really important to to remind ourselves of that. That just because I mean, I'm just sort of coming off of a few months of just kind of feeling a little bit lost and sort of all over the map and and a little bit down and and stuff like that. And and it's I've I've already started to move out of it, but I do have to remind myself and and I find myself reminding other people about this too that you know just because you are where you are right now doesn't mean that that's where you're going to be next week or next month or in six months, you could be somewhere so completely different. You might not even recognize yourself in the best possible way. 
but you have to allow yourself to sort of feel the season that you're in in order to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And trust that there'll be some sort of lesson on the other side. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I want to circle back to um, the business aspect of, of things too, because you were really open and honest with people when you experienced your loss uh, about a year ago. And the reason why it makes me think of this is that, I mean, one of the scary parts of being an entrepreneur is that there's no one to cover for us, <laughs> especially yeah. like free team, right? Like when we're still sort of single woman shows or, or, you know, we maybe just have one assistant or something like that. And I really thought that it was really cool how, how open you were about that and being a little bit vulnerable and showing that vulnerability. And I, I thought that, and it wasn't like it was like some business move. It was, it was, you were being just really open and honest and authentic with people. And I think that that goes a really long way. But the other side of that is that when we are going through some difficult times, what do we do with our businesses on those days that we might not really be in the best, in the best position to uh, be doing, you know, top notch work or something like that? Yeah, I think that you know, for me, it was really important to, to be authentic because that is a core value of my business anyways. Like I always want to be authentic and open, um, for my followers, for my readers, for my clients. And so to me, having to show up online and not talk about it didn't, did not feel authentic. Like I'm not going to avoid it, That to me, and maybe for some other people that would work and that's fine. But for me, it was, like, how can I be online showing up in a Facebook live or something like that and being like, Hey guys, uh, let's do this chin up challenge. That's what I had going on at the time. I was supposed to actually do post this big chin up challenge the Monday after my sister passed away. And can you imagine if I was online being like, let's do this move. That's so empowering everybody. Oh my gosh. Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I, I just, I did not want to show up in, in a way that didn't feel right. There was just no way I could have done that. Um, but I didn't want to not address it either. So for me, what I did was I, I did put a post up on my Facebook page. I just said what happened. You know, I didn't go into to huge details around it, but I just gave the honest truth and people really showed up for me and respected that. I think people really appreciate and understand honesty. And from there, I kind of just showed up in the ways that I could. And maybe that was like a million nature and coffee pictures. <laughs> but <laughs> nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's all I could muster. And, and I think that that's okay. On the side of, you know, how to keep my business running it, it I did ask some people to go into my free Facebook community. I have a Facebook group called the legit fit lifestyle lounge. And I really wanted that to kind of keep going, but I didn't have the energy to put into it. So I reached out to many of the girls in, you know, my business coaching program. I reached out to some of my gym friends and I said, I really just need you guys to, come in here and, and just post something. And I, I gave people ideas, you know, I said, could you come in and share a recipe? Like to my foodie friends, I asked them to do that. Or, 
um, you know, some of the, some of my fellow coaches, I asked to just come in and do a more mindset related thing or someone else, another personal trainer posted a workout. And that really was amazing because when that was happening, then other people started doing it too. So I was like, I have the best community ever because they all really showed up for me. That's amazing. And honestly, that really shows the whole benefit of community and building each other up and collaborating as opposed to, especially among women, as opposed to thinking that everyone is the competition. I think that that, that goes yes. so, so far. And I, I, the, other, the other thing that really comes to mind here is that showing up authentically and transparently, it goes a long way, both in business and in friendships. And it also shows people that we're human too. I think that sometimes when we're online, it, I think that sometimes it can almost be, I know that I've, I've done this with other online personalities. You almost put them up on a little pedestal and it, it makes it, it makes, it makes you realize that they're another human being as well, going through real life human things, just like you. And just because they have an online business doesn't, doesn't insulate them from experiencing real world stuff, even when it's really, really shitty. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to see how, how that can come together. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think that, you know, people, you have, have to have that relatability factor and, and being honest and transparent and authentic is just the way to go. Um, you know, during, during that time too, outside of, of asking people to kind of chime in or maybe like write a guest post or something, I just, if anyone else is going through a time where you do have to step back from your business, it's just do the things that require less creativity and brain power, less mental bandwidth, because all of that can really just make you feel like you are still showing up. You just don't have to show up as much or in ways that require as much energy. And you know, even things like repurposing old content or just sharing some articles or posting a quote, like nobody's going to be like, why are you only posting quotes these days? Like, no one <laughs> says that. Um, it's so we, funny because we obsess over this. We're like, oh my God, somebody's going to call us out. No one is ever going to call us out for that. <laughs> no, no one ever does. No. <laughs> but we do, we, we stress about it. And I think there are a lot of parallels with business and with fitness and my same advice about just do what you can when it comes to your workouts and just stay consistent can apply to business owners as well and then just really keeping in mind that at the end of the day it like i i know that i felt super grateful that i had taken the leap into entrepreneurship because i had the flexibility to do this and and I also, I do love my job. So at many times it actually was, you know, once I was able to navigate, you know, the initial couple of months, I was like, okay, this is actually what I need to, to dive back into. Oh, I love that. And, and that's, that's really a sign of uh, a really a tribute to you working so hard to build a business that you really truly do love is that you actually reach a point where you do want to get back into it and you're ready to do that. So that's, I think that's really cool. Yeah. I always am interested to, I ask a lot of online entrepreneurs this, so I'd love to, to get your answer on this. How, how have you felt in the past or how do you feel currently about what to share publicly and what to keep private? Like where, where do you draw that line? Because I, I think it's a little bit different for everyone, but it's, I'm always fascinated to, to know where everyone draws that line. Yeah, it's a tough question. And I, you know, I think it takes a little bit of navigating at first. 
Um, I think that a lot of times when people first get started, it's like, well, who wants to hear this thing about me? But if your business is a personal brand, you know, our customers want to see us. They want to know, they want to know things about our lives. So I think it's just a matter of what you're comfortable with sharing. And for me, there's just the way that I handle it is if I'm not, if I have to second guess <laughs> whether I should be sharing something or if something about it feels a little bit uncomfortable, it's probably not ready for sharing. I feel like there are also things that you can talk around without getting into the details of it. So for example, I talk a lot about how I left my job. It's a big part of my story. Um, you know, I think it has inspired a lot of my clients to like do other big things that maybe they didn't think they could do, but I never, I will never share the name of the company that I worked for. I will never share, you know, details about the people that I worked with. And, you know, truthfully, my, my company was actually very, quite good to me. That's why it was so hard to leave it. But I never want anyone there to feel like slighted or I just, I, I feel like it would be unprofessional to do that. So I can talk about leaving my job without going into all the nitty gritty about it. Yeah, that's a great example, actually, because I've, I really feel the same way about uh, my corporate job was that I, yeah, I was kind of miserable there in, in that I just, I knew I didn't belong there long term, mm -hmm. but the people there were great. They were so good to me. They were amazing to me. And I have nothing but good things to say about them and about that company in general, in that regard, it just wasn't the right fit for me. So totally, I completely hear you on that because it, it's, it is one of those examples where you, you don't want to create an issue where there doesn't need to be one, right? Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, I think too, anything with, uh, with family and, you know, I've mentioned my own challenging family dynamics with having had mental illness in the family growing up, but I don't feel the need to go into a ton of detail around that beyond just acknowledging that and then moving on to share the lesson. Exactly. Because really that's ultimately what, what people are going to get the most out of anyway. Nobody really needs to know the nitty gritty. Like the occasional detail is, is fine and it can build, you know, authentic, true connection, but it doesn't mean that you have to lay your entire life bare all over the internet in order to do so. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And to expand a little bit on like the, the lesson sharing, I think another piece of the what to share, what not to share is for me, I also want to make sure that I'm ready to kind of tell the story and that I'm not still living the story in real time when I'm going to teach the lesson. Because I think that a lot of how we feel about something in the moment um, might not be what we want to share later on. So yes. I, I think there's just a level of that. And you know, even as I was going through the loss of my sister, you know, I was sharing more of the matter of facts, like this is me going on the walk after the loss rather than like some lessons or something, something along those lines. But I really think it's important to make sure that you yourself have processed and are confident in, in what you're going to be teaching and helping with as opposed to maybe just brain dumping a little bit and, or emotion dumping <laughs> and, and ending up saying something that you might not want to really say. Exactly. Yeah. Couldn't agree more on that point. <laughs> and let's, let's talk quickly about, uh, 
coaching and what are some of the benefits to hiring a coach and, and asking for help? And maybe you can let us know a a few of the the different ways that, that people can go about working with you. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, obviously I love being a coach, but I also love being coached. (laughs) So I really think that having a coach gives you somebody who can help you see things or realize things that you just can't on your own. And most of us have these stories, right? These unconscious like beliefs and thoughts, things that have been ingrained with us since childhood. And those are often the very things that are keeping us stuck or maybe the reasons that we're playing small or we have fears or again, stories around. And if you're trying to navigate those things by yourself, those same stories are going to be (laughs) what keeps you in the same place and not really moving forward. So I really think that the main benefit of having a coach is to help you unravel that and, and give you that momentum so that you don't stay stagnant. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I feel the same way about hiring my own coaches as well as, as doing coaching. But I think, I think that there's just so much benefit from it and that, I mean, in my mind, I always want to have a coach uh, for, for one, one area of my life or another, because I, I think that that's how we really do learn to grow and we continue to unravel lessons in our own life that then hopefully we can pass on to others as well. There's huge benefit all around, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, people say trainers need trainers, coaches need coaches. I totally believe that. And beyond just helping, you know, someone see their blocks. I think that having a coach for that accountability and someone, someone that's basically unbiased to, to hold the space for you, but also give you some tough love that maybe a friend or a family member might not give to you in the same way. Um, I think that that is another benefit of coaching, but really again, having that person to be in your corner to help you, whether you're, you're celebrating a success or, or you're going through a challenging situation or you're feeling stuck either way, having them there. Absolutely. And Athena, where can people find you online? Sure. So my website is achievewithathena.com and uh, my Facebook is achieve with Athena, my Facebook page. But I think I mentioned my Facebook community is the legit fit lifestyle lounge and in that, in that group, we really foster a lot of engagement and conversation around how fitness is more than just a number. We talk about the whole anti-perfect thing, and we really tie in all aspects of wellness from not just fitness and workouts, but nutrition and realistic self-care and mindset and personal development, the whole shebang. I love it. That's awesome. And one final question that I ask every guest is if you could offer people one piece of advice on growing into the best possible version of themselves. You know, I really think it's not being afraid to, to ask for help. I think a lot of people, especially women think that they have to do it all. Um, and that asking for help is a sign of weakness or, failure. And I really just, I can't emphasize enough that there's nothing wrong with you for needing to reach out and rely on your networks or delegate where you need to, or, or invest in that coach if, if you need to, or not, if not a coach or in something that's going to just open you up 
to new opportunities or new ways of looking at things, whether it's, you know, continuing education or finding a community of like-minded people that have your back, investing in yourself in some way or asking for help is always going to be something that's going to help you continue to grow and not stay where you are and help you evolve and really keep elevating yourself. Oh, so good. I couldn't have said it better. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Athena, for being here. And for anyone who is looking to find Athena, don't worry. We will list everything in the show notes over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. So you can find everything over there in in case you missed it. And Athena, I just really want to acknowledge you because you are really doing amazing work and I, I love uh, watching what you're doing. I love uh, being in a mentorship program with you and I, I myself have learned a lot from you and I think that you have so much amazing, so many amazing gifts to offer people and it's, it's really been a pleasure uh, growing with you this past year. Oh, thanks, Em. I feel the same about you and I really feel so grateful for you know, all of our, <laughs> our tribe of women and our, our coaching <laughs> It's so awesome. Thank you. I so totally much. agree. Oh my gosh. So thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yes, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. All show notes and references can be found over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. And can you do me one huge favor before you go though? If you can take a, take a screenshot of this episode and tag me on social media, I would absolutely love to see who's listening and get to connect with you and thank you. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would go a long way and make such a huge difference. It really helps to get the word out there, get more amazing guests on the show and helps to get all of this information out to the world. Looking forward to growing with you.